All right, take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Judges. Book of Judges, starting off a series tonight going through one of the judges. I've never preached on Samson before, and we're going to be going through the life of Samson over the next couple of weeks. And with the theme of this, going through uh, this particular Bible character, what could have been, what could have been, what God could have used Samson to do, but Samson got sidetracked. And we're going to get into that. But tonight we're going to be looking at the beginning. Uh, what was going on in Israel at this time? What uh, were the circumstances of his birth? Uh, but before we get there, you know, I've been mentioning uh, recently, well, several years, but more recently, you know, that uh, persecution is coming to Christians in America. Now, how many of you heard what happened in uh, Reading, Pennsylvania over the weekend? Anybody hear about that? All right. So this is what happened. So they're having a gay pride event in Reading, Pennsylvania, at City Hall. And uh, they have a crowd, so there's, they have drag queens and all these other things going on. So they have a group of Christians, uh, several of them standing there with Bible verses, okay? And originally they were standing on the street, the police officers, by the way, on public property, that's free speech in America, at least it used to be. And they're not, by the way, we're not, not thinking of, there are some that uh, put all kinds of hateful uh, boards and, you know, all kinds of like Westboro type of thing. This was not them. They simply had Bible verses on there, not con- even controversial Bible verses. Uh, so they had a, a man that was actually, he's a street preacher in town. He came and he preached and gave the gospel for about five to ten minutes. Police officer came over to him and said, you better be quiet unless you want to go to jail. Because he was giving the gospel across the street, public property. They made a move across the street. They complied. So he had just had gotten in, so he stopped. Someone else walked up, so he had a sign that said, go and sin no more. Bible verse, right? So he walks up, and the, as soon as he walks up, the police officer looks at him and says, you cannot be bothering, Let, you know, this is their day, let them have their day, leave them alone. This is all on video, by the way, you can look at it on YouTube. And the man said, well, this is public property, I have a right to be here. And a little bit of an exchange, and so he says this, all he is going to say, all he was trying to say, he said, God, as soon as he said the word God, the police officer turned around and arrested him. And all he was going to say, God is not the author of confusion. So he had a Bible verse, he says that, and what in the affidavit said that he was saying, yelling derogatory uh, things at the gay pride event towards those other people that he was saying something to Dr. All he said, he literally between the time of walking up and being arrested was about, about 60 seconds to a minute and a half. And he's arrested and charged with a felony. Uh, not even just a, you know, he was able to get out on bail, but charged with a felony of disturbing the peace with, uh, an intent to fight. He was not causing any fight. He was there, just simply had a, had a board and said, go and sin no more. And he said that, and uh, this guy, nothing controversial about this, because sometimes you hear about some of these people, they kind of ask for it sometimes, but this was not the case. And uh, so there's a lot of people outraged over this. Uh, and if you read a lot of the newspapers, you will see that the newspapers relate that he was yelling at them derogatory terms. He was yelling, watch the video. He just said, God, that's all he got out of his mouth before they turned around and arrested him. This is in the United States of America and this is going to happen more and more and more because 
we can't talk about and call what call it sin sin because we can't so what I preach and by the way it, it, I'm getting my sermon ready for Sunday's problem one is going to be usually first couple weeks I do one on Pride Month and what the Bible says about it Amen by the way we shouldn't be hateful about it but it's still sin and it's getting worse and worse and they're targeting our kids now and trying to get our kids confused about how God made them and just it's 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 to the point. You can't even look at advertisements anymore. You know, because this is Pride Month. All, I mean, advertising getting worse and worse and worse. Just terrible things. I mean, things you can't even say from up here. Unbelievable. Who would have thought in America that these type of things would be happening? But just be aware. Be aware. And this man that filmed this is a street preacher. And he said, usually when we preach, I said, we never get treated like this by police ever. And who says it's just unbelievable. He said, this is the first time we've ever been treated like this. And he goes, I don't think that is typical of the police around here. But this one decided that he was going to take things in his own hands. But here is the kicker. The police officer said, well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You know, a professing Christian. He says, that's what makes it sad. That another Christian just has a Bible verse and says the name of God. And that he claims that is derogatory. Uh, really, he said what it was, it was the preacher before him had kind of, he made him stop because, and then here's the other sad thing. When they arrested him and took him over there, uh, all, the, all the people in the gay pride event, they were applauding and clapping. Said, yeah, get him. So this isn't some innocuous, peaceful thing that goes on many times. It's becoming more and more and more. When people stand up against them, their reaction is becoming violent. So this man that went through this, he goes, a week before, he was protesting at another Pride event and had one of the gay Pride people come up to him and say, if I had a gun, I'd shoot you in the head right now. Just because he had a Bible verse, did the same exact thing. Had a Bible verse, say, go and sin no more. And trying to give the gospel to them. So this is becoming more and more in our country. So stay tuned to that. Be aware of what's going on. And uh, we have to start making some decisions of, what we're going to do with God and the gospel. Firmly believe, you know, we enjoy being online, amen, uh, and preaching the world, but I believe there's going to be a time in the not-so-distant future we're not going to be able to stream our services anymore because it's going to be considered hate speech. I know that I another couple of years I think that's going to start happening in our country. And with AI and all of these things, you know, people are like, well, how in the world can the FBI and these different places monitor our communication? With AI, they can. And they've been doing it, by the way. They've been doing it. This is nothing. What's coming out now, the government's had for many years. And they can just read text messages, emails, and just pick out keywords, just like they do in China and all these other places. All right. Judges 13 tonight. Judge 13. Let's just be aware, a little current event thing going on, so let's be aware. And I checked this out, I was like, okay, you know, is this guy just kind of one of those out there kind of people? He really wasn't. Just there peacefully and just trying to reach people and uh, be, and yes, protest, but just tell people that God is there and God's real and God does care about them. And just the, the verse, go and sin no more, is a verse of compassion that we see with the woman taken in adultery, that just go and sin no more. Ask the Lord to save you. Amen. All right, Judges 13 tonight. So we're going to begin in verse number one this evening. Uh, what could have been? You look at the account of Samson. Now, there's different accounts in the Bible of things we should do and that ways we should act. And we see in the New Testament that these things were written of Israel for an example, an example to us. Some things of to do, and this account is something of how what we are not to do. 
But you know what? I think sometimes we can be a lot more like Samson than we care to admit. And we look at Samson, a God, greatly, a man greatly used of God, given supernatural strength by the Spirit of God. But yet, in all of that, you see him riding the line and doing things his way throughout his life. In the end, it took him away out of the service of God. It wasn't the plan of God for him to end up in the temple of Dagon, being mocked, his eyes gouged out, and then he takes his life and the others of, of others there with him. God enabled that, but at the same time, that wasn't the plan of God for Samson. Samson ended up there by his own choices. And as we go through the series, I hope that we can look at this and say, I want to avoid that same choice because all human beings have these tendencies that we can go down our own path, that we can serve God our way. And Samson's a great example of that. I believe he loved, loved God and that he wanted to follow God, but at the same time he served God his way. He let his flesh get in the way, as we can many times. But if we could stand together, Judges 13, beginning in verse number 1. Verse, we're going to read down to verse number 7, and we're going to look at a little bit of background here of what's going on in Israel. And the children of Israel did evil again. In the sight of the Lord, if you're in Judges chapter 13, you read through the book of Judges, this was a habitual uh, turning to God, turning away from God, turning to God, away from God. And turning to God was the result of the Ammonites, the Moabites, and other nations coming in to trouble them. It did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them in the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the end of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. When the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible, but I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray that you bless our time together in your word. I pray that you would guide us as we look at the life of Samson. And Lord, I believe that Samson's in heaven right now. But Lord, I pray that as we go through this, that we not look at this account as something that happened thousands of years ago. True, but not applicable to today. Oh Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves in Samson. That we would see the same temptations, the same inclinations, and the same self-confidence perhaps that we can become not dependent upon you. Bless, dear Lord, this time, and pray that no life here tonight would be characterized by what could have been, but that you, dear Lord, are victorious and that we have submitted to you and we have followed you and that our lives are what you have desired for us to be. I pray your blessing tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The beginning... The beginning. How did this all begin? Well, let's look at number one, the background. We don't have points on the screen tonight. It's pretty simple. The background, the promise, and the lesson. Okay? Three simple things. The background, the promise, and the lesson. So here's the background. This was a time of great distress in Israel. 
Since the coming into the land of the of promise with Joshua, Israel had gone through several cycles. I want to go and take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter, or sorry, Judges chapter twenty-one, and look at the very, very last book verse. I'm in trouble tonight. Verse of the book of Judges, and this characterized exactly what's going on in Israel at this time. There were twelve judges that ruled over Israel during accounted for and mentioned in the book of Judges. There might have been more, but at least what's recorded in Scripture, there were 12. And Samson is the 12th. 11 had come before, including Gideon and others. But now we go to Judges 21, and the very, very last verse of the book of Judges sums up, by the way, this can sum up today, the day we live in. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was what? Right in his own eyes, not right in God's eyes, not right in the eyes of the law, not eyes, not right in the eyes of Almighty God, but in their own eyes. I'm going to do what I want. And if you look at the last couple of chapters after the death of Samson, we see Micah, uh, that hired a priest for ten shekels in a shirt, and we see all of those things that happen of men doing that which is right. The prophet uh, and all of these things. There's so many. You look at these things like, wow, this is getting messed up. Why? Because men were doing that which was right in their own eyes. And there was no king in Israel. Then we get into 1 Samuel. But we see that there was something special about Samson. Uh, That this was a, a tumultuous time. The Philistines, now they were the neighboring country to the west. If you have a map in the back of your Bible, uh, you see the nation, uh, you see the tribe of Judah. Right above it, on the western part of the country, is the tribe of Dan. Okay, right above that. But if you look at the whole coast, the western, uh, to the west, there's the coastal areas. Uh, That was the land of the Philistines, where Gaza is today. Uh, So that was the land of the Philistines. Five notable cities that were there, the five lords of Philistia. Now, look at Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. Why did God leave them there? Well, God told them why they were left in this place, the Ammonites and the Moabites and others that were uh, left in these positions because they were there to test Israel, beginning in verse number one. Now, these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing therefore, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So God had a plan for this particular time because God knew Israel, didn't he? It had been in the 40 years in the wilderness and the time before that, uh, the journey through to the promised land, that there were times of commitment to the Lord, then right after back to idolatry, of commitment to the Lord and then complaining. He knew that that cycle would continue because that is the cycle of man. Man is, by the way, look at Israel. How dare they do that? We all do the same thing. We can. We're capable of that. Many do. That is the cycle of man. We forget so quickly. We can have 
passion and zeal and commitment, but then it cools off and we need what? We need reviving and revival. And God used the oppression of these nations because they had forgotten God. They had forgotten the God who had given them the land. They had forgotten God who had brought them out of Egypt. They had forgotten God who had won all the battles with Joshua. They had forgotten all of that. So now God's saying, I'm going to remind you that when I take my hand off, bad things are going to happen. There's going to be judgment that comes. And remember this, God always punishes sin. Whether it's now or later, there is always a punishment for sin. But we do know that there's also great compassion and grace in the eyes of God. There is forgiveness. And all they need to do is go back to serving God. This was God's purpose for them. Now, the time of God's proving had come. Now there was a need of a deliverer. They, at this point, they had been 40 years in distress. This was the longest time in the book of Judges of being oppressed. 40 years. That's a long time. 40 years is a long time. Uh, That's, you know, going back from today, that's since 1983. Think of that. All those years of oppression under the Philistines. Now, let's look at the number two, the promise. A deliverer was needed to begin. We see that uh, in verse uh, number five. And he shall begin not fully, but begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So God used two people with a special purpose of the tribe of Dan, which is a very small tribe. Now, interestingly enough, the tribe of Dan borders the land of the Philistines. So interestingly enough that they knew, they, they who knew the oppression of the Philistines the, wor- the hardest and knew it the best, would be the one that God would raise up to be the deliverer. So we know of man Manoah and his wife. We do not know her name, but we know his Manoah. And she was barren and was seeking the Lord. And we see an angel appeared and promised her a son. A promised son. So this is very similar, if you will, uh, not only is not very far in the future with Hannah and Samuel, though not an angel of the Lord, but a, the Eli, the prophet of God. And the, uh, the man of God told her that her request had been heard. And so we see a special. Now, some people believe that this angel, this was a Christophany, that this was the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some issues with that. It's possible. But uh, it, if you look down uh, through the account, you will see that they wanted to worship and, be, and give a sacrifice. Is it only if you give a sacrifice, if you dedicate it to the Lord? Now, Jesus never did that. Jesus never directed it away from himself to God, so this is an angel in, in the estimation of many. There are some that say this is Christophany, this was an angel. Because angels always deflect worship, Jesus never deflects worship. When you see Abraham worshiping him, he did not deflect it. He did not say, well, direct it to the Lord. He said, he is the Lord, amen. Praise God, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, worthy of all worship. So there was something special about this child. Now turn to Numbers chapter 6, if you would, Numbers chapter 6. So what is a Nazarite? A Nazarite, this was a very, very special dedication and separation, a picture of holiness, of a special purpose for this particular person. Now, not only was the vow of a Nazarite here, the, this, what was special also by the, not only the uh, separation of the vow of a Nazarite, but that also of supernatural strength. Don't be confused. Not every Nazarite had supernatural strength. Uh, we see Samuel was a Nazarite. He did not have supernatural strength. Uh, John the Baptist was a Nazarite and did not have supernatural strength. Okay, So going through all of that, this was very special. 
Also, I believe this is the first recording of a Nazarite in the Bible because the law is given in Deuteronomy. This is the first time that a Nazarite is recorded. There's possibly others that took the Nazarite vow, but the first mentioned in the Bible, Samuel being the next. Uh, we see... Uh, and it was a picture of holiness and separation unto God. Amos 2.11, it, it speaks of uh, the Nazarites as being a kindness to Israel. Amos 2.11 says, And I raised up of your sons for prophets and of your young men for Nazarites. Is it not even thus, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord? He rose them up. Why? For a purpose. For a reason. God uses young men for a purpose. Amen. Uses them for a purpose. You know, it's not God's purpose for a young man to sit around and do nothing for God. It's a purpose. Now, are all of them going to have a special purpose? No, but all of them have a purpose for God. And a special purpose, I mean, uh, not necessarily taking the vow of a Nazareth. Maybe it's full-time ministry or something like that, a special calling of God. But everybody ought to be busy about the Lord's business, amen? Every young man ought to be. Now, number 6-2, let's look at what it talks about the Nazarite vow. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when either man or woman, so it's not exclusively for men, women could take this as well, shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite. To separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be, here it is, holy, and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separated himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body, he shall not make himself unclean for his father. Now, by the way, this section is very important. I uh, said, well, what this doesn't apply to Samson. It actually does because he rode the line on this in several occasions. All the days that he separates himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, for his brother or for his sister when they die because the consecration of his God is upon his head. All the days of his separation he is holy unto the Lord. So what would happen? So if they shave their head, there's also further instructions later on in this passage that if they did become unclean, that they would have to shave their head and shave the long hair that they had because they had broken the vow. So if they ate, if they drank, not only, we're talking about wine, alcoholic wine, but also just grape juice in general, or even the plant itself, none of it they were to touch. But he said, well, why, what's the deal with the long hair? So, okay, it's okay, preacher, you know, I, you can get up there and have long, flowing, you know, blonde hair as a preacher. You know, that's what's waiting here because, you know, I'm just, I'm dedicated to the Lord. I'm letting everybody know with my long hair, right? Is that, no, that's not what it is. Now, in Israel, it's customary, uh, the hair was to be cut. Women had long hair, men had short hair. Imagine that. Amen. Now it's the opposite. Men have long hair, women have short hair. And uh, it's all, all backwards, upside down. The unisex movement has come full circle, by the way, but we see today. It's come full circle. Now, what they intended is happening right now. And everyone thought Lester Olaf was crazy, didn't they? Anyway, here it is. So, what was the purpose? So, when people saw him from a distance, they would see the long hair, they would say, that's a Nazarite. 
He's special. Whatever he says, we better listen to because he has a special vow of service to God. That was the purpose. Whenever people saw Samuel, there he is. John the Baptist, there he is. Elijah, there he is. Why? Because of the vow of the Nazarite to be separated unto God. The whole purpose is to live a life wholly dedicated to God in every single way and not about themselves. And that is actually, when we look at the life of Samson, we see that, yes, he served God, but also life was about him and what he wanted. And that was a dishonoring of the vow he had taken as a Nazarite. I understand he never chose the vow. We see people that chose it. He didn't choose it. It was God gave it to him. In a way, it was chosen for him, but still he honored the vow to a certain degree. God has a very important purpose and plan for Samson. His role is to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines, to defeat them, and he did that. He did much to damage the hold that Philistia, Philistia had on Israel. And just, and just as God had a very important purpose for Samson, our young people are the same. They have a very special purpose for the Lord. As well, there's other people. Do you know what we have a pandemic of today? You know, we talk about pandemics, right? Well, there's other people out there to do that job, that God doesn't need me. Somebody else will do it. It's past the butt Christianity. We're passing it down. You know what? I don't need to do prepare to serve the Lord because there's going to be somebody else that can do it better than I can. You know, God's not going to miss me in the grand scheme of things. I can just kind of do what I want. Can I just tell you something? That is a very dangerous and false way of thinking. God has a purpose and a plan for you. And yes, can God do what he wants and God work in spite of us? Absolutely. But God has a plan and a purpose with your name on it. Don't pass the buck down to somebody else. That goes for us older adults too. God has a very important purpose. And if you know that, we need to consecrate our bodies and our lives unto the Lord. Also, mom and dad, won't you consecrate your children unto the Lord that God has a special purpose for them and whether or not, just as Manoah's wife had a very special role in making sure that her son was able to accomplish the vow of a Nazarite by the instruction of the Lord here. In the same way, we have a great impact of whether or not our children will follow the plan God has for them. That's why bringing up children is extremely important, and we need to consult the one who created all things, created our children, created us, created the world, created everything. I think we need to listen to what God has to say. Not according to popular parenting. If you go and read, ever read some of those blogs? You're just like, wow, that's what's wrong with America today. Okay, you know, know, how to basically let your children have whatever you want, rule the house, and you're their servants. Okay, you know, not in every case, but that's actually becoming to go away because it's creating a bunch of juvenile delinquents. Anyway, but that being said, you know, uh, and you know, you ever see different kinds of parents. If you go to the mall, you go to Walmart, you see different kinds of parents, don't you? You see the ones that, you know, actually discipline their children, deal with with their children. You You see the screamers, people that yell at their kids the whole way through the store. You know, be quiet! And the kid screams louder, right? (laughs) That didn't work. And then there's the one that just, the kid is sitting there screaming, hitting them, punching them, and the mom is just ignoring them. 
And the dad, they're just going to the store like they don't hear them. I don't know if they get earbuds in. I don't know what's going on. But saying they're screaming, yelling, just thinking eventually that the kid will stop. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever wanted to say, hey, can I speak a kid for you, please? You know, maybe it's not bothering you. It's bothering everybody else, right? You know, you might get arrested for doing that now. I don't know. But, uh, you know, just, and, and just ignoring them and others that, you know, oh, get them everything. Oh, you know, I want that can of cranberry sauce. Well, we don't eat. I don't care. I, don't, I want it. I want it. I want it. Oh, here you go. Oh, good. You know, the killers. Aha. I have control and power. Mommy and Daddy, I want the $100 video game. I want it. 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 Here you go. All right. What are you teaching them? When if they throw a tantrum, they get whatever they want. How we got off on parenting on this, but here we go. So we need to keep their upbringing holy, separated unto God. So here's the lesson, number three tonight. Here's the lesson. The stage is set for what would appear to be a great account of God's deliverance. You, know, you look at this, like, wow, man, the good things are coming. Great things are ahead. Samson is going to be the man God's going to use. I can't wait to read what's going to happen. And yes, exciting things do happen. God does use Samson. But as you look at it, have you ever read the book, the, the, these chapters, 15, 16, 17, and, or, thir- or yeah, 13, 14, 15, 16, reading down through, and you're like, Samson, what are you doing? You know, I heard one preacher talk about Delilah, you know, where's your strength lie? And every time that he told her, then all of a sudden he would be bound with, with cords, you know, the, 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 with the, the green cords, you know, that have never been dried, you know. Every time he told her, it all of a sudden happened to him. And he kept telling her, what's wrong with you, Samson? Don't you see a pattern here of what's happening, right? You tell her, and all of a sudden it happens to you. It just happens to happen to you like that night. Don't you think there's a connection here? I think you maybe have made a bad decision. Now, some people say he, because he loved Delilah and all these other things. No, sin blinds you. That's what happened. Sin will make you blind. Sin, and you look at these things and... We can make just as foolish decisions. To be sure, there were victories won for the Lord, but there are going to be lessons learned in the study that will make the title all the more pointed. What could have been? Too many times that phrase is repeated. Look at it. Well, what God could have done with Samson. God did some, some things, but he could have done much more. God did use Samson, but not to the level that Samson could have been used. He had a supernatural birth. He had a special vow and promise on his life. He had the supernatural strength from the Spirit of God. You know, every time you look at, um, you know, pictures of him, you know, you know, Samson, muscle-bound, man. You know, you know, he looks like he had steroids or something. But if you notice, every time he had supernatural strength, so the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I think he looked just like you and me. Because the things that he did were not humanly possible, even if he did have steroids, Okay. You know, lifting up the gates of a city, pulling them off their posts and running them up to the top of a hill. That's not possible for anybody to do. I don't care how strong you are. To kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. I don't care how strong you are. No one's going to be able to do that. It's supernatural strength. But what did he do with it? He lived half for God, half for himself. In the end, dying blind and shamed in front of the Philistines. Is this what God had intended? You need to answer that question as we go through it. Is that what God intended for him? Let's ask ourselves some questions as we go through the series tonight. First is, has God made me for a special reason? 
you would, you would be shocked how many people believe that they have no special purpose in the plan of God. You know why? Because they believe the lie of many, maybe evolution or things that I'm just a highly evolved animal or God used the, the evolution. So really I don't have any purpose because that's what the world teaches. We're just evolved animals. We have no, really no purpose. The purpose we have is whatever we want to make it. And that's why so many people end their lives because they have no purpose. They, they're taught in school. They don't have a purpose except to make life what you want to make it. They said life's too hard. There's no hope. There's no purpose. So why be here? And that's sad. Has God made me for a special reason? Number two, has God revealed what his purpose is for me? Maybe God hasn't revealed it to you yet. But if he has, here's the third one. Am I preparing myself to accomplish that purpose? It doesn't matter how old or young you are. If God has laid a special purpose on your life, are you preparing to do it? Are you doing it? And number four, am I completely surrendered and separated to the Lord? Here it is. Samson wasn't surrendered completely to the Lord. Because a Nazarite vow was a vow of total surrender, consecration, separation. 100%. And yes, Samson had the consecration down, but then he started having trouble with the separation and the surrender. He didn't have the separation down because he spent a lot of his time down in the Philistines with the Philistines when he shouldn't have been. He was supposed to defeat them, not sit down there, and now he caused them a lot of trouble, I understand. I'm getting ahead of myself and I want to spoil the series, but let's ask ourselves some serious questions as we go through this, some lessons here. What can I Maybe it will help us in our parenting. Maybe it will help us in our personal lives. Let's stay dedicated to the Lord. Let's pray.